You ready? And we're back. Welcome back, everyone, to the Buff Hub, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Steve Vega, and on this lonely Saturday morning, I am with you. I'm lonely because I have no one with me, but maybe you're listening with some people. I don't know. Maybe whatever you're doing, having some coffee on the way to work, working the weekends, I'm here for you. And uh, I want to talk about some things that uh, I couldn't help but get this metaphor in my head all, all month, right? Building in the rain. You ever heard that song? Singing in the rain. Well, we're building in the rain. We're building a dynasty right now, and it feels like it's raining and it's not going to stop. That's what I can't help but feel about this entire offseason so far. It's like a storm that won't stop raging. You know, it, it's light rain, and then there's a lot of gusts, and it comes, you know, something comes out of nowhere and just starts blowing things all over the place. But for some reason, the Buffalo Bills feel like they're still standing. I, I, I don't really know what to make of it, right? I don't really know where it's going to go. What I do know is we do have several foundational pieces that are keeping things intact. You know, we'll talk about those things, but I, I want to take you back real quick. 2004. Central Florida. I am living in, in Kissimmee, Florida at the time with my family and, uh, you know, I'm like 11 years old or something like that. And Hurricane Charlie, along with two other hurricanes, are blasting the heck out of everyone in Florida. Hurricane Charlie kind of came as a surprise because it like scooped around the southwest side of Florida and then out of nowhere just decided to, you know what, instead of going straight into the Gulf of Mexico, I'm going to cut through, cut through the entire state of Central Florida and, you know, lead up my way through the Northeast side. And I mean, homes were devastated. And what I couldn't help but remember is that for some reason, uh, call it what you want, <laughs> higher power, you name it, right? Every house in the neighborhood was wrecked except for our home. There were homes with shingles off, roofs ripped off. I mean, trees in, you know, in driveways and inside roofs and people just, it was so surreal that, you know, the storm hit and then, you know, hours upon hours later, you know, everything died down and it was still kind of dark and everyone just walks out to look at, you know, the aftermath and it was devastating. Um, you know, it, it basically took everything I knew growing up and just turned it upside down. And it was really weird, uh, you know, to wake up the next morning and, and see everything in broad daylight. I mean, so many places that I knew were just gone, devastated. And I, I'm not saying this, this off season feels devastating, but I, I'm saying I've been through a lot of storms in Florida and now I'm living in the desert and, uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird seeing no rain. I'm used to it. And uh, I feel like as Bills fans, we're kind of used to this feeling. It's just annoying, right? It's annoying after having such an amazing season to go into an off season where you feel like it's just raining all over again. And we're just waiting for the rain to stop. We're waiting for the storm to pass. Hurricane Watts stood over us for what felt like two to three months. And we got Tropical Storm Milano, you know, slated to become a Category 1 hurricane soon. 
uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of question marks. But here we are. We're still building. The Buffalo Bills are building in the rain. Have you ever had to do a job out in the rain? And you had to. You had no choice. Either some in-laws were coming, you're like, oh my God, I have no time. In the morning, they're going to be here. I got to take care of this. You're, you're working in the rain outside trying to take care of things. I don't know, mowing the lawn. I don't know who mows the lawn you know, in the rain, but you know, you're crazy if you do that. Uh, <laughs> but look, what I'm getting at is I feel like every Bills fan right now is feeling like this question. When is it going to stop? We don't know. What we just want is we just want to see everything clear. We want to know what to expect. And, you know, I'm not trying to preach to you guys here. Look, I'll stop in like 30 minutes, okay? But this is what happens when you're trying to build something sustainable. You go through tough decisions. Thankfully, we have foundational pieces that came along the way in the four-year process of Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. And we're in an off-season where, yes, it feels a little bit messy. Everyone in, and their mom is absolutely flabbergasted that J.J. Watt decided to go to Arizona where you know they were 8-8 eight and eight and you know Kyler Murray is a 50-50 player. You don't know what he's really going to turn into. He's explosive. Then again, so was Tyrod Taylor. So was Michael Vick. You know, a lot of these similar style quarterbacks hit their ceiling pretty quickly. And, you know, he looks like he just chased the money, plain and simple. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we're obviously having to encounter. And one thing in particular that I want to get into is delaying interviews. Uh, Looks like the Buffalo Bills organization is trying to put that rule in place to stop interviewing coaches during the playoffs. Amen. Make it happen. Stop it. Stop it. It makes absolutely no sense. It can literally disrupt an entire game plan. I know you're going to ask this question, like, did the Buffalo Bills lose the AFC championship because... There were interviews looming over Brian Dable. Man, that's a really hard question to think about because it's a very strong possibility, especially with Leslie Frazier. I mean, the guy's been, they're both, they're they're hungry and they really want to be able to, you know, have their own football teams. And, you know, Leslie Frazier knows what it feels like. But, you know, here's the thing. No progress gets done until a coach loses, or until after the Super Bowl. That's the plain and simple fact. So yes, abolish it. Abolish that situation where coaches can get interviewed during the playoffs. At that, for me, was the most annoying thing to run into every single day in the media. Oh, when the Bills lose, you know, Brian Dable's probably going to go, you know, over to the Chargers, or, you know, like, you don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, it it definitely does feel very hindering to your chances and what you want to do. But look, getting back to this whole topic, right? What do you do to boost the roster? 
I feel like we've done everything we can, you know, with, with what Buffalo has with draft picks. I mean, the, the amount of moves the Bills even made in free agency last year, like, <laughs> I don't know what else they got to do. I don't even know if J.J. Watt was the answer. I don't know if releasing certain players are the answer. Maybe we just let walk whoever needs to walk and see where things stand and see if we can just plug up those holes. But underneath all of that, here's something. We have a ton of young talent. Dane Jackson, ladies and gentlemen. I really like Dane Jackson. I like his presence on the field. I feel like he fits the scheme perfectly. He just needs more playing time. We're all stressed out about this number two, you know, you know, CB2. It's a big question mark. Levi Wallace is most likely leaving. You know, Josh Norman most likely isn't going to get re-signed. Like, there's a lot of things, a lot of question marks at the cornerback position. And, yeah, we would definitely benefit with a really good CB2. But again, don't get ahead of yourselves, Bills fans. Tredavious White was pure luck in that first year for him to shine the way he did. Fact of the matter is that he was the first round pick. He knows he needed to shine the way he did. And the second year he took off, the year after that, he just got better and better and better. It takes time. But here's the main thing. It takes opportunity. So when we hit an offseason like this, where we can't sign big, you know, big name players, there's no cap room. We're $500,000 below the cap. There's a lot going on. We got to rely on our draft picks. Gabe Davis. Wow. Did we hit the jackpot with him? He's been a topic for ever since week two and so on. Like he has just been a presence that the Bills needed. I mean, he mossed the hell out of people last season. I, and it's just like seeing a rookie do that. Yeah, I'm not going to hesitate to get, I, I'm, I'm on the record saying this. I am not hesitant to give Gabe Davis the wide receiver two position. I want him to be. I think that's in the works. There was no Gabe Davis when we signed John Brown. We were trying to fill holes and trying to figure out what we needed to do to upgrade, to get back in the playoffs. Establish ourselves as a presence in the AFC and win the AFC East. Now we all know Isaiah McKenzie. I think he had the greatest year of his career last year. You know, this year. And let's not sleep on Isaiah Hodgins now. That kid can. And I've talked to some of the guys from Cover One about him. Like, I think if Josh Allen and him build some kind of connection, whether if it's on a second or third down situation, like, I think they can be explosive. Here's what the Bills need on offense. They need people who can take attention away from Stephon Diggs. That's it. That's the formula, people. 
That's how you beat Kansas City. That's how you beat Tom Brady and the Bucks. That's it. Against the other teams, there were certain times where you saw Gabe Davis and you saw John Brown come through. You saw Cole Beasley come through. And that needs to continue in order for Josh Allen to grow. Keep growing. He needs to keep growing. He can't slump. These players need to show up. These players need to develop and they need to take advantage of their opportunities. So, maybe the salary cap is finally telling the Bills to slow down and develop. Look, we know what it takes to get to the AFC Championship. So maybe it's time to take a step back and see how we can get back with what we have. Build when it hurts. Build when it's unfavorable. Sorry, I got helicopters flying around. Here's a question I want to pose. If the Buffalo Bills won the Super Bowl, would you feel a little more comfortable? I'm not saying completely comfortable, but would you feel a little bit more comfortable this offseason? It's really weird when you're on top. You're the top dog. You win it all. You feel like you're basically invincible. I bet some of you right now believe that if we release John Brown, we'd still win the AFC East. You believe we would still win the AFC East. I'm not going to go as far as Stephon Diggs, but I know you guys believe there are players after we won the AFC East that you are, if if we're talking about winning the crown in the AFC East again, I know there are players on the roster right now, people who aren't free agency, that you are not afraid to lose to win the division again. So what if we just start there then? What if we start with that mentality? I know it sucks to think about that, but look, you got to keep building upon something. I low-key think that's what the Buffalo Bills are doing. Anything can happen. Injuries can happen. Players get traded. Never in my right mind did I think a year after, you know, the Houston Texans, you know, face off with Kansas City, the entire organization just implodes. Things change really quick in the NFL. We got a lot to build on. And one strong thing we can build on is that AFC East title. I know we want to talk about getting back to the AFC Championship, getting to a Super Bowl, but guess what we're going to have to do all freaking over again next year? We're going to have to win the East. We have to. We have to keep winning the AFC East. We have to stay on top. Let me tell you right now, the cap space is going to be different the next year, the year after, things are going to change. That's one of the reasons we signed Micah Hyde. Definitely one of the reasons we signed Micah Hyde. Two-year deal extends into the future because Brandon Bean knows when things heal up, 
and the Buffalo Bills are still rocking and rolling, still winning the AFC East, players are going to want to play. Players are going to want to play with the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are trending up. But here's the thing. The Bills need to steadily climb. Not be one of these teams that go red hot and then the next year just shoot straight down to the ground. And I'm telling you something right now. I know for a fact that Josh Allen knows in his, in his heart of hearts that if he does not have a good year next year, it's going to really hurt his contract, his extension. Pending the Buffalo Bills don't pull a rabbit out of the hat before the soft season's over and decide to, you know, extend him. All I know is that we have a lot of young talent that we need to take advantage of. Certain players are starting to grow on me. I've already mentioned a few. But the more and more I think about Matt Milano and I see the Matt Milano, you know, car just drive out into the distance further and further and further and further and further away. I have no choice but to look more into what's on the roster. Got Tyler Matikevich. Got Dotson. Still got Tremaine Edmonds. And we got the draft coming up. So, I think, I've gone on the record saying this before, that as long as the Bills keep some strong continuity in the roster from last year, if we have to release a few guys because of the cap and you know having to keep some kind of consist- consistency, it is what it is. But I'm going to tell you something right now. That defensive line needs to be stout next year. We need to maintain that front. A.J. Epinesa needs to have, I'm not saying a quantum leap next year, but he definitely needs to show up and show out and not become another Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson showed out in his last year. That is the last thing we need after drafting him in the second round. For crying out loud, Shaq Lawson went in the first round. But, you know, that was well before Brandon Bean's time. Whatever. Like, we need players that we draft to develop in their second and third year. Or, we're going to get screwed by the cap whenever stuff like this happens. Or, whenever we want to make a big splash. And we have all these question marks. So where does it fall? Where does the responsibility fall? It's always going to be 50-50 in my eyes. Like the player has to show up in every way, shape, and form, and the coach also has to show up. And I'm going to tell you something right now. If the defensive players we draft do not develop, I'm raising an eyebrow at Leslie Frazier. I have to. But I do believe that having Matt Milano last year, having Tremaine Edmonds last year, having Micah Hyde, having Jordan Poirier, you name it, the list does not stop. Talent is stacked. And we need to make sure 
like the coaching staff needs to make sure that they keep developing these young guys to seal up these slots in the future. We knew Matt Milano's contract was coming. And yet, still, there's no one to back him up. There's no one there. Jordavius White is going to get older, and I hope to God we find somebody that can replace him there. You know, when the time comes and he decides to move on, I don't know. You know, retires a bill. Like, there's there's so many question marks in the future. Yes, they're super young right now, but like, these are things that they sneak up on you. Especially after a player deals with injury. I guarantee you, if Shaq Lawson would have showed up for like two years, you know, wasn't dealing with ailing injuries and was able to be more consistent on the field, I 100% think we would have resigned him. He gave us no choice. We had to draft AJ Epinesa and we had to build the defensive line around who we had. Okay, so let's jump into draft expectations. I know a lot of you are excited about drafting a running back in the first round. Even Todd McShay has uh, your boy from Clemson, Travis Etienne. Uh, if I pronounced that correctly, I apologize. If I didn't, if you're listening to Travis, I apologize. And if you become a Buffalo Bill, I'm really proud and happy and I'm thankful. <laughs> but there, there's a lot of excitement around a lot of prospects. And there are a lot of positions that the Buffalo Bills need to address. We have to. And we need to do it very effectively in this draft. Now, I am a fan of trading back. That's just me. I know some people have some bones to pick about that opinion, but I think the more draft picks, the better. We need to build our team as much as we can. Now, with that being said, I hope there's going to be enough players maybe in the second and third round if we end up trading back. But I want to talk about position that I am really eyeballing right now. Uh actually more than the linebacker position and the running back position. And it's our edge. Our defensive edge needs to bolster up, needs to get explosive. I love Mario Addison's spirit. I love the energy. I love the love for Buffalo. Do not believe that he lived up to his contract expectations though last year. I was really expecting just a super dynamic duo between him and Jerry Hughes. What we ended up seeing was Jerry Hughes carrying more of the weight. And that's exactly what we were hoping not to see. Because we knew what that was ultimately going to end up like. Us losing to Kansas City. You do not beat Patrick Mahomes without putting him on the ground and making him run like a chicken with his head cut off. (laughs) You like you have to get him flustered the entire game. And your front four has to dominate. We spent a lot of money hoping to plug up holes for the run game, get it, you know, get a strong edge going on. And you saw slowly but surely, you know, even with Trent Murphy having to sit out like Leslie Frazier had to sit down Trent and even tell him. This goes on the record. I mean, uh, in an interview where he literally talked talked to Trent, sat him down and said, Look. We got this young guy, we need him to develop, and he matches up for this game a lot better than you do, and we need you to sit this out, and Trent Murphy was very humble. I, you know, I like Trent Murphy. I understand that, you know, there's a there's a lot expected out of him, and maybe his contract uh, obviously was uh, 
frustrating to deal with this year going into um, even, you know, going into this offseason and whatnot. But, you know, the Bills were still really freaking good. Uh, let's not let's not downplay anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we were to look back, you know, 20 years from now, <laughs> we're talking spoiled by saying, ah, we needed to get rid, get rid of Trent Murphy, get rid of Murray Addison, but, you know, just get rid of everyone and just start fresh. Like, no, sometimes you just have to stick it through with who you got, and <laughs> it is what it is. You know, there's not players available, or, you know, Buffalo's not appealing to certain players, and they wanted more money. Like, a lot of things go into it. But, look, look, we need, I believe, we need to build defensively out of this draft. I've gone on the record plenty times saying that you can still find a running back later, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, even seventh round. You just have to do your scouting. You know, if a guy from Clemson falls to you, you know, like Travis or, you know, uh, obviously a guy from Alabama, uh, you know, Najee Harris, like (laughs) you definitely don't want to just completely disregard. But if someone wants to trade with you, and give you two second round picks for the guy, I'm on that side. I definitely get more chances to try to, you know, fix some things. Rather than solely relying on one player at one position to basically solve everything. Like, our quarterback is good. Our our Mike linebacker is good. Our safeties are together. You know, we got Tredavious White locked up. It's just trying to figure out this stingy, freaking defensive line. Uh... (laughs) I don't know if a big signing is going to do it now, especially after last year. Signed Quentin Jefferson, Butler, Mario Addison. We even drafted in the second round. And, you know, what we found was basically having to blitz the hell out of our linebackers to get pressure. I know you guys don't want that. If we could plug and, you know, let, let's say most recently, a guy like, you know, Mario Williams or, uh, you know, Someone off the defensive line in when they were just booming for us, you know, even Marcel Darius, uh, you know, Kyle Williams, if we were to put them in this lineup, they probably would make the Buffalo Bills super dominant. So it could be an easy fix. But <laughs> right player, right time is what it comes down to. Maybe right player, right round. Here's something to think about. You know, I'm talking about, you know, trading down, but (laughs) I want to focus on the edge here. Like, what if Gregory Rousseau shows up around 26 or 27? I know it's not expected for a lot of people, but what if a guy like him shows up? Do the Buffalo Bills trade up? You know, maybe give a fourth and their 30th pick. (laughs) It's really something to think about. That could be a game changer for the Bills' defense. Right now, Todd McShay has him going to Indianapolis. Blah. Gosh, Indianapolis has such a good defensive line already. (laughs) And, uh, you know, they got a lot of changes going on, and they're trending in the right direction. Uh, In my opinion, with Carson Wentz, that's just me. Especially going back to Frank Reich. So... There's, there's a lot of things that a guy like him can do. Number one, tackles for loss. 
this guy had over 19 tackles for loss and over 15 sacks with 54 tackles. Super productive. You can line him up wherever the hell you want. It's awesome. I feel like he kind of reminds me of a, I wouldn't say as hard-hitting, but definitely a more refined, as far as stature-wise and all that goes, of a Jadavian Clowney. Jadavian Clowney is, you know, he was a very raw prospect coming straight out of the draft. And, you know, they just tried to fit him however they could. Just go for the quarterback, you know, stop the run, bah, whatever. Um, But this guy, you see him making plays in the pass game. You see him pressuring the quarterback. You see him helping to collapse the pocket. You know, be a team player. A guy like him. Someone to look for. Definitely recommend uh, people, you know, looking up some tape on him. Maybe you already have, you know, out of the University of Miami. Um, So, that's what I want to see the Bills do. We have a lot of guys that I feel like definitely we, we signed for specific purposes. But maybe we need that wild card. And if he's there, right below the 30th pick, then if he fits and he's what you want, then you jump at him. You take him. You have to. In my opinion, you have to. The Buffalo Bills defense is going to lose dynamics with certain players gone. And we're going to need that back coming out of this draft. And I'm going to go on the record saying this as well. When that, When we solidify... That front four, we need to give Dane Jackson a freaking chance, man. After really looking at who's out there, I, I don't I only really think there's a lot of bang for your buck right now. I like Dane Jackson getting the start at CB2. Still got Taron Johnson. Still got our backfield well, you know, well in order. Our offense is... <laughs> It's going to be the same next year, so I think I think the productivity is going to stay there. We're going to, I think we're going to get even more dynamic. Um, and look, there's a lot to talk about, guys. Even on special teams, you know, Andre Roberts and we got Corey Bohorquez. There's a lot of things going on. But I'm not worried about those positions too much. Too much. I really think that we were exposed against a really good team and they made us look vanilla on the biggest stage the Bills have been in since the 90s. So, we're building in the rain. (laughs) We have to. We have to. Feels like stormy weather. We feel like the rain's not going to stop. It will soon and I guarantee you we're going to be in good shape. We're going to be in great shape going into next season. Hopefully there's fans in the stands and going into the following year, cap space, you know, goes up and we're able to really solidify our team even more. But again, every team is pressing the restart button. Even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they got to worry about Levante David and Chris Godwin now. Big deal. It's kind of a big deal to get you back to the Super Bowl. And the Buffalo Bills, you got players walking left and right here. And and look, if we can just focus just like we did last year and do the same exact thing, you know what got us to the AFC Championship? Sweeping our division. 
that confidence of knowing you dominated who you have to play twice a year, it's a big deal. And I want to see that confidence back at One Bill's Drive. So thank you guys for listening again on Buff Hub, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. And yeah, next week I'm excited. I have my buddy from uh, Jet Central, Ian. He's going to be on with me and we're going to be talking about a lot of hot topics and we're going to talk about the AFC East. We're going to get into a nice little healthy debate as to what to expect. And look, I went on the record saying this, you know, who I have ranked, you know, taking the Sean Watson. I, I kind of feel like the Jets have become the front runner. I just think they're more desperate. And I think they're willing to do whatever it takes to get that guy in the building. And the Jets very well could be back in business. So that's why I'm bringing him back on. Uh, you know, especially with, you know, they got Salah, you know, in their in their building. And they're, they're a huge culture change. Very similar to a Buffalo Bills culture change when Sean McDermott showed up. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited, guys. I hope you're excited for the offseason. Hang in there, Bills fans. We're going to get through this together. Go Bills. <laughs>